Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, Remnant, brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm, I'm surprised you're back after yesterday's fiery podcast. <laughs> so thanks for joining us today. The topics, life in the womb, liberty, religious freedoms, and voting biblically. Psalm 139 starts off by saying, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. And then if you go down to verses 13, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. In verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book, they were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. Father, thank you for giving us another chance today, an opportunity to talk about things that matter, truth, life, um, preborn lives, and all human life, Lord. We know every human life matters to you because each person, each human being is made in your image, unique and special, created by you, male or female. And we thank you for the truth of your word that establishes this. We thank you for the science and the biology and everything else that backs up scripture. Not that we need science and biology to back it up because your word is truth. And we trust you in all things. Give us wisdom today, not only about how to discern and process this information and these concepts from the Bible and what we're living out in our culture today, the battles we fight, but give us uh, the words to speak to people in conversations about these important and pivotal issues. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, too many people say abortion, marriage, protecting the family. These are just political or social issues. So let's start with life. Some suggest it falls under the category of privacy. Um, Reproductive freedom is one of the, some of the words. Um, A woman's medical decision just between her and her doctor. But isn't there another life in a mother's womb? It's a separate heartbeat, separate DNA. But the reality is we're talking about life or death today. This is the life or death of an innocent baby created by God in his image. And today uh, we're blessed to have two guests. In the second half hour, we'll check in with Julianne Appling of Wisconsin Family Council on some important issues and updates. But right now we're going to start off with the battle for life, literally for the right for babies to be born. And for them to allowed to be born. Now, our guest is Heather Weininger. She's the executive director of Wisconsin Right to Life. We're going to discuss pro-life issues. And uh, she, of course, her 
Wisconsin Right to Life, WRTL, is one of the most prestigious, efficient pro-life organizations in our nation. Heather, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Well, thank you so much for having me on today. Great to be back with you. Yes, good to hear your voice. Glad we connected. And let's start with the Veritas Society. I've been to a couple of those events. I think it was last year or the year before you had Robia Scott. Was that last year? It was last year. Hard to believe. Yes. A year ago. Yes, from the movie Unplanned. And um, so what are your plans for this year? Has COVID-19 affected what you guys are going to do for that fundraising banquet? In fact, uh, it looks a lot different than it did last year. Um, <laughs> you know, I think a lot, a lot of us are looking at things differently than, than we did a year ago at this time. Um, but our work at the Veritas Society certainly doesn't stop because of COVID-19, and neither does our fundraising. But it looks a lot different this year. Um, we are actually working on uh, a, a short film premiere. In fact, I was huh. just doing some taping for it. Um, last weekend, I know, you know, I, I think a lot of us are a little zoomed out, a little yeah. virtual event out, at, you know, at this point. So we thought we'd do something a little bit different, have some great conversation with some people who have been longtime supporters and really share the impact that the Veritas Society is having uh, throughout the, the state. Awesome. So um, how can people get more information on that uh, website link? So right now we're still working on the actual launch dates of it. But okay. if people join us at WRTL.org, they can sign up for our email notifications. And by doing that, you'll get the information once it's uh, up and ready uh, and people can then register for the event. Okay. Thank you, Heather. Um, before we get into some deeper, heavier issues and <gasps> politics, um, <laughs> let's. Uh, I want to ask you this, because a lot of people, when we have you on and Jelaine Appling and others that work for um, pro-life or pro-family organizations, um, they want to know what progress we have made, whether it's the state or the country, in legislation, in pro-life legislation. Any wins in Wisconsin recently or anything that's in the works that you can tell us about? So, you know, this last uh, uh, couple months, Certainly the legislature here in Wisconsin hasn't been much in session, and certainly the life issue hasn't um, been out there. But we're prepping for the next legislative session. Um, and in order to do that, uh, you know, politics does come in, and we're working on some elections here in the state to make sure we have those pro-life individuals. But I think we see nationally um, a, a continued push for you know, pain-capable legislation. So mm -hmm. babies who are in the womb can feel pain, ensuring that they are not having abortions at those stages. We're working on dismemberment abortions. And, you know, I think something... Wait a minute, that, wait a minute. What is that? Right? Um, you know, here's part of what we need to do a better job of, is educating what happens to that unborn baby during an abortion. So dismemberment sounds like, uh, you know, what, what do you mean? An abortionist actually rips a baby apart limb from limb during an abortion procedure. Wow. Now, for, for most of us, that just seems incomprehensible. How can someone do that to an unborn child? But it happens. It's the procedure that happens. You know, when we talk about um, the sale and use of fetal aborted tissue, that's, that's what we're talking about. This is a type of abortion procedure that happens. So, 
you know, these these are great um, opportunities for those of us in the pro-life movement to educate the general public about what is happening in those abortion facilities. Mm. It is not a procedure where they're taking a pill, they go home. There's many more procedures that are happening. So we firmly believe now is the time to talk about this. Now is the time to educate. And now is the time to ensure these practices end. Mm. I want to ask you about a movie that's out. Uh, We know Unplanned did phenomenally well in the theaters, uh, even in the midst of opposition, and some theaters shut down or are not having it, some theater owners. uh, We've uh, heard reports they had death threats for daring to have. Isn't that tolerant of them, Heather? Um, uh, They don't want... Coexist, right? Yeah, coexist. Yeah, let's just be tolerant. Oh, but we can't show unplanned. And that wasn't even a graphic. I don't even get me going on the rating. But so unplanned came out, did very well. And thank God for, you know, people like uh, Mike Lindell, um, who had a little cameo, who helped fund the movie of the true story of Abby Johnson. But now there's a movie out called Unpregnant, and it encourages secret abortions for minors. It's about a 17-year-old who finds out she's pregnant, and she can't turn to her to her Jesus-free Catholic parents, right? So she has to, she does a road trip. I guess it's a thousand-mile road trip with a friend to go across state lines to get an abortion, and they make it, they try to make it funny. And Heather, I want to get your, your no-holds-barred response to this. I wish I were joking. People listening right now, if they haven't heard about this, it's an HBO movie on pregnancy. It's a comedy, and the director said he wanted to bring humor to child sacrifice. In the words of the writer, he wanted to make people more comfortable with the subject of abortion. Why do we not want to be comfortable with that subject? And do you know, uh, what are your issues with this movie, Unpregnant? So, number one, it's horrific that anyone can think that you, you want to make abortion acceptable, and in particular, targeting our younger generation. So, I'm a mom to three young girls. We, we have four children, but three mm. young girls. So, as a mom, I sit and I watch what's happening and how they're trying to sell to my children that it's okay to, number one, keep things secret from your parents. And number two, that taking the life of an unborn child is okay. You know, in our house, we ensure each and every day that, that our children understand the value of life, whether that's from the moment of conception until natural death. But now, as a parent, it's really, really hard to keep track of what your kids are also watching all the time or yeah. what they're hearing outside the home, what they're hearing at school, what they see on social media. So for anyone to think that this is going to become some kind of best-selling movie. I, I don't know if they really understand what they're doing to society. I don't think they understand that there's a group of parents, There's and many of us are silent, and maybe it's our time to really become that much more vocal mm-hmm. right now and saying absolutely no more. And we've seen this with some other movies that are coming out right now where parents are standing up and saying enough is enough. We're not going to take this anymore, and we're going to work even harder to ensure that our children can't go across those state lines hmm. to seeking an abortion when we don't know about it. That, that's also our job. 
Yeah, and parental consent and uh, parental rights are being threatened even in the public schools because they're uh, trying to get kids to do things against their parents' will. And we'll get, we don't need to get into the transgender agenda right now because we're talking about the basic right to life. Hollywood wants to mask the idea of abortion uh, they, so we don't see the heartbreak, the anguish that post-abortive women go through, the tears, the grief, the guilt, the... Uh, uh, some of them end up on drugs. Some of them uh, go uh, become more promiscuous to, to punish themselves for taking the life of their baby. And uh, many of them are in depression. Many, many of them at- attempt suicide. These are things the media, Hollywood, public schools, if they ever talk about them, it's incredibly rare. Your thoughts on that, Heather? Absolutely. There's, there's this whole other side to what happens after an abortion. And it's easy to to look at these Hollywood stars who go out there and say, it was my right. I couldn't have done my job without having my abortion and that right. Well, how are you feeling today? Mm. How do you look back on that? You know, it's um, we're talking about suicide prevention this month. Mm. How are we helping those women who sit silently in agony because they've taken the life of their unborn child and they know that someday they're going to have a consequence for taking that life. And are they forgiven? Can they forgive themselves? Have they, have they sought out help? That's our job as pro-lifers, to ensure we expose the other side of abortion after the fact. We work with many, many post-abortive women. And I can tell you those who have been in years and years of the healing process to this day, still are in agony over that decision they've made. Mm -hmm. So it lives with you for a lifetime. It is not something you can bury. It is not something that goes away when you walk out of that door. And in fact, like you you said, it's going to come out in other ways. Whether you're suicidal, you have depression, um, you can't have relationships as you move on in life. Those are all consequences that are because of the decision that was made. Lord, um, have mercy on us. I mean, we have dumbed it down. We have watered it down um, so that it has almost become normalized. I think the country is still relatively split on the issue, which is a travesty knowing that we have the technology that they didn't have in 1973 when Roe v. Wade was passed. Now we know so much more. Um, So, Heather, what would you do or how would you respond to those who are pro-life that say, We've got to stop wasting time trying to pass legislation on you know these all these pro-life efforts that are being struck down, whether there's a Democrat or a Republican president in the White House, and it goes back and forth in uh, the Senate or in Congress. When we need to abolish all abortion, we need to take Roe v. Wade and flip it. What, what would you say to people like that who say we this is we need to outlaw murder? Period. You know, it's, um, I don't think there's anyone in the pro-life movement that doesn't want abortion to end today. I mean, if I woke up tomorrow and I didn't have a job, I would be ecstatic because I knew the work that we did was, was complete. But the reality is this. There is a decision that's made at, at the Supreme Court, and now we have to work in order to save one life at a time. And sometimes that's what it takes. If I look Amen. at an approach of, of an all or nothing approach, here in Wisconsin, we started collecting information um, in 1987 on, on women who were having abortions. 
since that time, we know that we've saved over 170,000 lives based off of the education that we do in outreach to change hearts and minds, but also the legislation that we're passing here in Wisconsin. So while, while I appreciate the thought of a, you know, a Hail Mary pass here and it's going to be an all or nothing approach, mm. but we're, we are taking an approach where we can't save all lives, but we are saving as many lives as possible day in and day out. And that's a fight. Even if Roe versus Wade is overturned, it's a fight that's going to continue. Mm. Can you imagine how uh, vicious the other side's going to become when we overturn Roe versus Wade? We think it's bad now. Wow. I don't think we've seen anything yet. Oh, you know what? That's amazing because we know how much money and how powerful the uh, pro-death movement is, the uh, pro-murder movement, the, those that would support abortion on demand and without apology up until the, the umbilical cord is cut. And uh, it is slaughter. It is infanticide. And I don't want to sugarcoat it anymore. Heather, I'm tired. I'm, I'm just really fed up with Christians who don't want to talk about this issue because, oh, that's, a, that's political. Oh, okay, Political. Well, there's a commandment that says, thou shalt not murder. We've got three more minutes in this segment, Heather. And would you please talk some sense into people who think this is a political issue and don't want to maybe talk about it in church or that's one of the issues we, we should kind of shy away from? We, we can't be shy. The other side's not shy. Why are we being shy about exactly. it? Exactly. The truth is, now is the time to stand up. The time is now. We, we can't afford to another day of being silent. We can't afford another life lost to an abortion. It's our job as Christians, and, and I believe this daily, that, that my work is to ensure our, our message is heard to Christians, to non-Christians, but God put me on this earth to do the job that I'm doing right now. Amen. And all of us, as pro-lifers, all of us, whether we're volunteers or we simply believe that life begins at the moment of conception and ends at our natural death. We cannot sit silent. We can't sit silent in church. We can't sit silent amongst our friends. Maybe it's an uncomfortable conversation to have with close friends, but we can't sit silent anymore. And don't be silent with your children. Have them understand from a very young age what life is and allow them to have conversations with their friends. But we need our, our pastors, we need our priests, we yes. need them to be vocal about this, too. Yes. Um, thank you for plugging my book from five years ago, The Cost of Our Silence, Consequences of Christians Taking the Path of Least Resistance. And we've been, uh, too many of us have been silent on this issue of life. Um, you made me think of Father Frank Pavone, who we'll talk about next when we come back after the break, he once said, and I quoted him in my fir very first book, he said, America will not resist abortion until America sees abortion. What does that mean? Well, like you said, when you talked about, you mentioned the word dismemberment, and I went, oh, because so many people are naive about that. They don't know what happens to a living, growing human being. And by the way, dead things don't grow, for those of you keeping score at home in the mother's womb, and no, people don't know. So until they actually see some of the tools that a, quote, doctor uses for abortion, or, so, or what happens to an infant, a baby, a growing baby in a mother's womb, then I think people won't get it. So they say, oh, these graphic images that some people, some pro-life organizations 
show or these movies or these demonstrations or these videos, even if they're animated, no, people don't want to see that. Well, they need to see that. Anyway, Heather, I'm sorry to get up on my uh, soapbox here, but we, had a, we have a pro-life president. He even went so far during this 9-11 memorial to remember women who were pregnant and the pre-born children, he said, were victims too. There was two, at least two, Diane Signer, I was six months pregnant when she was killed on 9-11, and uh, Patricia Massari, she was pregnant as well. These are lives that were taken just like the rest of the lives, the adult lives. So, um, sorry, we got to go to break, but when we come back, Heather, something you wanted to talk about, policies that are at stake if we lose our pro-life president. There's more than what you think, friends. Back with Heather Weininger from Wisconsin Right to Life on Stand Up For The Truth. Don't go away. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Yes, today, Heather Weininger from Wisconsin Right to Life. We will have Julianne Appling join us in 10 minutes from the Wisconsin Family Council. But uh, Heather, I mentioned this article right before we went to break, and you wanted to comment on it, the fact that President Trump is the most pro-life president in our nation's history, period. And there's legislation and policies to back it up. He addressed uh, the 9-11 memorial uh, last week uh, and said, or earlier, and said, um, hey, the, there were babies that were born, too, in the wombs of uh, pregnant moms. What, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, I think this is another shining example of our pro-life president where he always talks about unborn babies. He yes. always understands that that this is another human being. It's not something that he he does for display purposes, but he truly believes in the sanctity of our unborn children. And whether it's recognizing those who, who perished during the 9-11 attacks, whether it's um, his own personal staff in the White House who are going uh, through, you know, their own pregnancies and becoming new parents. He, spe- he was the only president to ever speak at the March for Life. Mm-hmm. Now, I've worked in, um, in the political arena for a very long time through many other pro-life presidents. And in all my time, I have never seen someone <laughs> who not, not only works to push legislation, but surrounds himself in his administration. Yes, with pro-life individuals. And I think that says a great deal about where he stands on life. Yes. Um, let's go to another article real quick. Um, Father Frank Pavone, who I mentioned and quoted in the first segment, he is now slamming a Catholic pro-Biden group. So there's a split in the Catholic Church, in the Catholic community. But um, So pro-life activist Frank Pavone, he heads up Priests for Life. He's challenging the beliefs of pro-abortion Catholics for Biden, which I guess launched uh, September 3rd with a Zoom meeting, approximately a 1,000 supporters. He said, Father, Pavone said, I would much rather have a Presbyterian like Donald Trump who's going to allow me to live out my Catholic faith without government imposition of mandates that violate my conscience rather than Joe Biden who claims to be a Catholic but has already promised to reinstitute precisely those kinds of mandates. Heather, your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm going to say this. I'm a Catholic, and I'm I'm with Father Pavone on this. Um, <laughs> You're on that I side. Would, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I I don't know if 
your listeners maybe watch the DNC, but I saw a particular priest on there and give a give a um, a prayer. And ironically, they must not have vetted him very well because he talked about the unborn children. Oh no! And I thought, I thought, wait a minute. Um, clearly, he's not on the same page as the DNC here. So I think when we look at um, at those in in faith, we have to really understand what party supports what. And let's just be clear about this. Sure. The DNC platform does not support life. However, the Republican platform speaks openly about supporting life. So for your listeners who maybe were the John F. Kennedy Democrat of the era, they don't support what they believe anymore. Not anymore? Not anymore. It's a different era. And during these times, life has to be number one whether we talk about it openly in public, whether it's why we're going to the election booth and that's what we're voting for. Without life, nothing else matters. Our liberties don't matter because we need life first. Amen. So if we can extend this to help other people understand this, have more priests like Father Frank Pavone speaking up, have more pastors um, speaking from the pulpit to share life. That's what we need. Our pastor does, thank you, and uh, a lot of pastors do not. And I don't know why I think it goes back to it's <gasps> political to talk about abortion. Um, really quick, we've only got two minutes left with you, uh, Heather, and you wanted to mention some policies that are at stake if we lose a pro-life president. And what, what does free speech look like if uh, oh. Biden and Harris get elected? Well, I guess we won't be on our, your radio show uh, anymore <laughs> if, if they're going to be elected or, or they're going to monitor what we say. You know, that that's really what we should all be concerned about. Right now, we think we're being silenced. What would it look like if uh, B- Biden and Harris are in there? We wouldn't be able to say what we want to. Mm-hmm. Our college students wouldn't be able to say what they want to on college campuses. Um, you know, our judicial system certainly isn't going to look like it is now. And when we challenge those open free speech uh, opportunities, our judges aren't going to be on that side for us. But also look at where our tax dollars are going. Right now, um, President Trump, you know, one of his first acts was ending Mexico City policy. Ensuring our tax dollars. Well, it ensures your tax dollars don't pay for abortions overseas. Wait a minute. Um, so, our tax dollars was, were paying for abortions outside of the yes. America? What? Yes. I know. See, a simple thing that most ordinary taxpayers don't know about, right? But it happens. So there are government NGO agencies uh, that receive money from the U.S., and one of their main things is to ensure that women uh, have an option for abortion. Well, our tax dollars were being used for that. That ended as soon as uh, President Trump was in office. Okay, Heather, one more minute with you. Uh, and thank you for taking your time this morning. Um, want to talk about Planned Parenthood funding. What on earth can we do to defund Planned Parenthood, who rakes in over a billion dollars in revenue every year? And they're getting our Number tax one, dollars. You need to reelect President Donald Trump because that is something he said he is committed to working on his next uh, four years. And we have to ensure that they're not getting Medicaid dollars, that they're not getting reimbursements for their so-called services. That's ultimately what we need to do and provide alternatives where women can really go somewhere and receive those services that Planned Parenthood claims that they are offering. Yeah, they're out there. A lot of pro-life pregnancy centers that will help women through 
uh, the birth of their child, and even there's some that will help fund them and help take care of them. There are a lot of churches that would love to help a single mom or single moms, but uh, they don't get the media attention. Heather Wining or Wisconsin Right to Life, we will connect with you again, God willing, uh, before the election, but we'll see what happens. Thank you again. God bless you, Heather. Thank you. God bless. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So well, I want to share a scripture with you before we bring on Julian Appling of Wisconsin Family Council. Um, we already read from Psalm 139 about what God, one of God's thoughts, what are his thoughts are li- about life in the womb, every human life, special and unique and valuable. Uh, Matthew 24 gives us a little insight into what we have today in our culture and country. It says, because lawlessness is increased, Jesus said, most People's love will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Wow, we're seeing lawlessness increased clearly, and we're seeing the love of people growing cold, particularly when it comes to protecting babies in the womb and protecting biblical values. Uh, Jelaine Appling, Wisconsin Family Council, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Good to be with you. Thank you so much for taking your time today. You were just in Milwaukee. You've been traveling a lot lately. What have you been doing? Oh, my goodness. We've been all <laughs> over the state, David. We've done a couple of, since I talked to you last. Number one, we did a trip around the northern part of the state. I'm tagging here on Heather, my friend Heather from Right to Life, who enjoyed listening to the end of that. Um, our Choose Life Wisconsin license plate that we do in partnership with Pro-Life Wisconsin, we, we sent out $32,500 last month to 19 different pregnancy resource centers. So I traveled all over the awesome. northern part of the state for a couple of days handing out checks for that. And that was wonderful. And then we're doing our community events again all over the state. Um, in fact, we're not too far from you guys tonight. We're up in Sturgeon Bay. Okay. With uh, We have a whole new presentation. It's entitled, We're Here for Such a Time as This. Love and it. You know, um, we've been doing two of these a week for the most part, and this week we only have one. But um, going into between now and no, early November, we'll be doing two of those, and uh, seem to be very well received and challenging people to understand that we have we shouldn't be despondent and despairing and frustrated and angry. We need to be encouraged that we are here for such a time as this, and we can individually make a difference. So. And you've been up to a lot of stuff. Yes, you've got information right on your uh, Wisconsin Family Council f- home page on we're here for such a time as this, and you've got your schedule up there. Oconomowoc, Sturgeon Bay, Plover, West Bend coming up on October 1st. But you can register by going to wisconsinfamilycouncil.org. Jelaine, we were talking a lot about the issue of life. Of course, that's not the only issue on the ballot in November. Um, I've got a printout of Trump administration accomplishments on life family and religious freedom and it is one two three four five six pages and this print is very small so this could probably be about 10 pages uh what what do you want to address as far as what our president has done the policies that people don't talk about because the democrats want to focus on his character or his past or something else well, I think every everyone who's listening today and those who tune in after this is out there for the for them to get as a recording, David, need to understand that right now we have to look at policies. We we just honestly cannot afford to get hung up on past person personality or persona. Um, you know, it's all there, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna condone or wink at indiscretions. Yep. Okay. But this president has done un- 
unbelievable amount of work in policies related to those issues you just enumerated there, as well as uh, many, many other issues. Our organization focuses on marriage, family, life, and religious freedom. And so when we talk about family, for instance, David, I'm even concerned about taxes. Well, let's talk about this. Um, you just finished up with Heather. Look, um, most people say he's the most pro-life president we've probably ever had. And I, I would say his policies uh, comport with that. And by the way, he is right now, um, I heard Heather talking about the Mexico City policy. Yes. Uh, yesterday, the news broke that he's looking to expand that so that any country that's getting American funding for certain things, if they are in any way spending money that's their own money or money from another source on abortion to promote it or to actually fund it, they won't get American money. W- when has that happened? Wow. Come on. You know, <laughs> he, he shows up at the at the March for Life and yeah. he's passed policies and, and that that really do work to, to save human life in the womb. Uh, he's no fan of assisted suicide. And so we have lots of policies yes. there that he's done on the religious freedom front my word david you look at this he has overturned a number of executive orders and policies that obama administration had put in place that really restricted our religious freedom when they when religious freedom clashed with uh, civil quote civil rights and i say quote civil rights because i don't think the lgbtq agenda is really about a civil right okay no no one no one has enslaved those people no one has denied them seats in restaurants. No one has made them get on the back of the bus. No one has done to them what has happened so tragically to the African-Americans in our country. That This is not a civil rights exactly. issue for the LGBTQ agenda. The, and the, the president has, when he sees that clash coming with, with religious freedom and that, that's, quote, civil rights, what he's done is he's authorized his administration, the bureaucracy, to implement policies or to undo policies that actually protect our religious freedom. Hmm. Um, he gave an incredible speech before the UN, just about a, well, I guess it was just maybe earlier this year, come to think of it, um, kind of in a time warp since COVID. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but he, and, and, and listen, um, Attorney General Barr, under the auspices of the Trump administration as attorney general there in the Department of Justice, spoke at the Notre Dame Law School, I think it was just about a year ago, unbelievable statement about religious freedom. And and so many times in his policies, he has shown that he understands that our religious freedom is actually a constitutionally protected freedom, whereas the advancement of the LGBTQ agenda is not. Hmm. Okay? And so, so you know, that is terribly important. And if, if you, uh, I, I, I'm not sure where you got that document. I know Family Research Council had a very, very long one. And we've tried to reduce that to a, a, much, a little <laughs> bit more manageable. But, you know, in addition, he has cut taxes. And it hasn't just been for the, for the upper echelon of the earning you know, the people of the earning power and where people are very, very wealthy. It's been very much in the middle class. Mm. And and David, one of my concerns about this election cycle is that if we lose middle class prosperity, what we really lose is the ability to get the gospel out around the world, because it's not just wealthy people who make the gospel available to, uh, to people everywhere in our, in our world. It is really middle class Americans, people like me, who are very much middle class, but who faithfully tithe, because I think that's a scriptural teaching, and, and that's the minimum that I should do. And and my money goes to help my church support missionaries. I think we've got like 30 or 40 missionaries all over the globe 
sharing the gospel. When middle class prosperity and freedom goes away, and by the way, our religious freedom, if it were to go away, um, we'd be restricted in how we can get the gospel out. All of that is on the ballot. And those are policies. That's not about the person or the personality mm-hmm. or the persona or the past Thank you. of the candidate. Yes. And so we, we've got to grow up. We've got to think carefully about this. Um, um, and I, I'll say prayerfully, look, this is an important time for people to understand uh, that Christians cannot sit back, take a pass, bury their head in the ground, get angry, get frustrated, check out of the system. It's not a time for churches to just say, oh, we're just about preaching Jesus. You want to keep preaching Jesus in America? Then you need to get involved in this election and help your people understand what the biblical issues are and what a biblical vote looks like for this cycle. You need to remind them to register. You need to remind them about deadlines for getting um, their absentee ballots in and about getting early in-person voting. There is nothing illegal about that. It is not political. This is about the protection of your ministry, pastors. That that I, I, and I I'm not trying to to be an alarmist, but I'm telling you um, that that this is real. And if people, I, I tell you what, David, I've been saying to pastors since this COVID thing. For all the pastors say, oh, I just don't get involved in oh, government. Geez. The government has been involved in your church yes. since the middle of March. They've told you how you can do communion, how many people can be in your church, when yep. you can do services, where you can do services, all and, and whether you can sing and have printed copies and all the rest of it. When are we going to wake up to understand that the church is God's legit, God's design sphere of an institution, but so is government. And they both have distinct roles. And the church has rolled over and played dead too long. And I'm not talking about being divisive here, David, in our churches. But churches need to educate the people so they can be prepared to go vote. That's mm. why we launched our church liaison program right there. Amen. Um, we've got one more minute, Jelaine. We've got to take a break already, but um, we'll, when we come back, we haven't had the chance today to talk about the 2020 Democrat ticket of Biden-Harris being the most pro-abortion presidential campaign in history. I think we've got to talk about that, particularly because Kamala Harris is just one election away from being president. I mean, vice president, and I said that purposely. I think most of you know that. Um, and Jelaine, you mentioned some recent decisions in South Carolina related to absentee ballots. Uh, This is something we need to address as well. Jelaine Appling, Wisconsin Family Council. And by the way, if you want to get information on voting, on registration, any of that, you go to wisconsinfamilycouncil.org and uh, get more information or click on the link in today's podcast post at standupforthetruth.com. A lot more to come when we come back. Please don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. We're with Julaine Appling of Wisconsin Family Council, and uh, there's a pack, Julaine, called Women Speak Out. I don't know much about them, but they've already got ads in uh, battleground states blasting Biden and Harris as, quote, pro-abortion fanatics. And Kamala Harris, for example, voted last year with Senate Democrats to block a GOP bill that would require doctors to give care to born-alive infants after botched abortions. What Kamala Harris and Joe Biden want to do, uh, just let the baby die on the table. Don't let a doctor touch it. I guess that's the will of the mother. So uh, take this living human being, let it suffer and scream and and. Uh, Dying and right in front of you. I, this is just—it's infanticide. But it's amazing that you very rarely hear people talk about this. 
Well, it is. And, you know, Heather, you were talking about a little bit about the party platforms, uh, the yes. Democratic platform that they just uh, put out a few weeks ago. And the Republicans accepted their 2016 platform, which is uh, some have said is the best platform the party's done in many, many years, partly because it's so strong on life. So so look, um, I want to refer to that party platform. The Democrats sure. make no bones about what they believe about abortion. And I hope our listeners understand this is worldview, David. It's worldview. OK. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so what the, the Democrats have done is they basically have said, you know, they acknowledge God by saying occasionally God bless America, but they don't really believe in him. And they take his, you know, uh, under God out of the pledge and different meetings that they had during their convention. And so it's a package deal. They promote sexual anarchy and they pr- promote abortion. They promote that um you know, a host of other ideas that are ideologically in opposition to what I believe the word of God says. So when it comes to life, Kamal Harris is just basically doing what is consistent with the worldview she holds. And so the fact that she voted that it is okay to kill a baby who has somehow managed to survive an abortion tells you that she does not believe in a creator God. Yep. Okay, that that's the bottom line. And I, 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 a quick worldview lesson for our our listeners. Underpinning all of this is whether or not people accept that there is a we're created by a loving God, or we are the product of chance through evolution. When you say you're a product of chance through evolution, what you have done is you've taken away any accountability to your creator. You have, uh, you're simply governed by your hormones you don't have you don't have to uh, obey by any abide by any rules the problem with this is with that is it doesn't come without a cost there is a cost that comes with that worldview and when it comes to life one of the costs is the killing of a human baby far too often a second cost is the emotional and sometimes the physical problems that come from that come when a woman has an abortion and sometimes those things linger with that with women for decades upon decades upon decades mm. a, a cost of uh, of broken relationships and a, you know you could go on and on and on and just in a real term real, real life terms here david do you know, people don't stop to think about this very often, but when you add up all the collective abortions that we've done in this country since 1973, and it's well over 60 million uh, people, human beings, you know, here uh, killed through abortion in our country, calculate the earning power. Just just do a calculation of the earning power, folks. Yeah. And we wonder why states like Wisconsin are begging for people to be hired. I still see signs all over the state, you know, now hiring, um, help wanted. Part yeah. of that is because we've we've aborted so many babies in our state since 1973. It's well hundred, uh, well over 500,000 babies that we've aborted. In Wisconsin? You, in Wisconsin. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's wow. a collective. I, I did it. I, I put these numbers together, and I try to do it every year. David, it's the combined populations of places like Green Bay and Appleton. And Kenosha, it, I mean, it takes some of our major cities and puts them all together. It's just as if we had just wiped them off the map. Hmm. Okay, and and so when you do that, there is there are very real costs. And so Kamala Harris and those who support her, um, and Joe Biden has come right out and said very pl- publicly that one of one of the things he will do when he is elected president is he will refund Planned Parenthood. One of the things President Trump has been trying to do is to defund it. Now, right. he could he could do more right now. I'm just telling you, he could do more right now as president. But at least recently, he came out and said, hey, 
when I'm elected for my second term, I will completely, and I, I think his word was fully, I will fully defund Planned Parenthood. That's in a written statement from the president. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the, that's the ideological, uh, philosophical worldview difference in these folks. Yep. And, and, and that is something that we as Christians must be thinking about. Um, David, the scripture talks about stewardship from the beginning, the opening chapters of, of Genesis, right? We're to be stewards of this earth that God has created and placed us in and stewards of, of everything, really. It, it runs from Genesis through the last chapter in the book of the Bible and the Re- book of the Revelation. And so we're to be stewards of the form of government God has given us. And at a minimum, we have to be a good steward of the opportunity and the reality of the vote that he has given us. I have one, Amen. one vote. Yep. It's got to count, David. Yes. It's got to count. And I want to ask you a little bit more about Kamala Harris, uh, because we did a show on her a couple of weeks ago on the d- demonic Democrat platform, but Kamala Harris is a ringleader. She was in the character assassination of uh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh. She believes Christians and Catholics are unfit to serve in our nation's courts. She co-sponsored the so-called Equality Act. We can talk about that bill if you'd like, because in a Democrat administration, that's going to be pushed again. Also, Harris said in an interview last year she would legalize prostitution as long as it was consensual. And she also filed a brief with the U.S. Supreme Court asking it to refuse Hobby Lobby's request to uh, where the, where the Affordable, Affordable Care Act was concerned about uh, women's reproductive, quote, justice. Jelaine, your thoughts on any one or all of these? Well, look, I'm, I'm just going to say it again. This is about a worldview. This is about a woman who has bought into lock, stock, and barrel the law about what is good, what is helpful, what is appropriate. Um, and, and, and she is saying, I'm in a policy-making position. I'm in a difference-making position. And by the way, not only is she one election away from being vice president or president, president. as she so coyly <laughs> said, but she's one, if they get elected, she's a heartbeat away from being president for sure. So, so this is a package deal. Think back to 2016, David, when we, we had Trump and Pence. A lot of people in this country voted uh, for Trump because of Pence. Yes. And so you have to look at that thing in the reverse, too. Kamala Harris has said more than once that anything basically I believe in, she doesn't believe in. Okay. She, she was ruthless um, with, with Justice Kavanaugh. You know, just absolutely ruthless. But she gave Joe Biden a pass yep. when those allegations came up, on, uh, uh, along with a lot of other people. Um, she, look, she I think one of the things that I would say about Kamala Harris and others of her ilk is that they recognize that they have to not just silence Christianity, David, they have to destroy it from a functional, involved way. Good Because point. once you... Well, that's what they're saying. Is yes. you, you you can't you've got to get rid of the opposition. You've got to at least kick them so far to the curb and hurt them so badly that they don't want to get up again. We have to get past the fear. Fear paralyzes. Fear makes us do irrational things. And we cannot afford right now to be fear. Scripture tells us he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We got to get past the emotions. We've got to look at the reality of what has been said and what has been done by the candidates at every level yes. of, of our government, David. Yes. By the way, I want to point this out. Here in Wisconsin, we're targeted. We're not targeted just for the 10 electoral votes for the presidency. They want to flip our state legislature. If we want to keep the pro-life protections that we have in our state, you have to protect the the conservative majorities we right ha- now have in our assembly and senate 
um, Virginia flipped in one election cycle, and it's been horrible over there with a, a, a liberal governor and, and a completely liberal uh, state legislature. They are coming here to do the same thing. Yep. Now, we can sit back and say, oh, that will never happen. Well, it can happen, and it does happen, and it will happen unless Christians take this election cycle seriously and get a plan to vote and exercise that plan. And if I can explore that statement a little more if you want me to, but th- this is very serious. Or, or what you're going to have is you're going to have people getting into office that do not support what you believe and what I believe. And then we're going to moan and groan and say, how did this happen? It happened because we didn't wake up. Yes. And I'm going to borrow a, a very sad term from the culture, but I want to say, if you want to talk about being woke, Christians need to be woke to the reality that God has a plan and a purpose for us. And part of that involves being a good steward of the vote and of the form of government he has given us. May God have mercy on us if we don't take that seriously. Yes, and I've been just begging people who are listening to go to their pastor, uh, church leader, and encourage them to speak up about these issues. Um, I want to go back to one thing you said, you know, Dems aim to uh, silence Christians. We know that. It started back in 1954 with the Johnson Amendment that a lot of pastors and church leaders are ignorant about as far as what their rights are, what they can say from the pulpit. And I'm so tired of going over this. It's tedious, Julaine, for you and I, (laughs) but a lot of people still don't get it. Would you please share your thoughts on that? Well, I'm going to tell you, first of all, David, and I don't mean disrespect to anyone, but I don't think it's a matter of getting it. I think it's a matter of being fearful. Amen. I think that people don't even fear the IRS as much as they fear people in the pews, leaving their churches, taking their money, going elsewhere because they get um, upset by the pastor even saying things that they can totally legally say, which is an election's coming. You need to think about voting biblically. What, is, what, is, what does voting biblically look like? What does God say about life? What does he say about marriage? What does he say about personal property? What does he say about parental rights? And on and on and on. Um, th- there's nothing illegal about that. There's nothing illegal about conducting a voter registration drive in the church. That is totally nonpartisan exactly. and, uh, and actually should be done. Yep. There's nothing wrong with having a, a passing out an educational a candidate comparison piece, not one that pushes one candidate or a party over another, but those are available. We'll be having one for the president here very soon. Um, there, that's that's not legal. It's or that's not illegal. It's not illegal to even host a candidate forum. Yep. We did this for the Supreme Court election this spring and down here in uh, Pewaukee. A good pastor friend did one, and that's not illegal. You both vote, uh, invite both candidates and have a discussion about the issues and just educate people. All of this is available. For for the church to do and put it in writing, put it in an email, send it out, you know, as, as digital links to put them, you know, our website. That's why we have our WisconsinFamilyCouncil.org website. Now we have a commit to vote WI website that is encouraging people just to commit to voting. That's promoting that website. It's not illegal. You can go on and on. What can't what what a church can't do or shouldn't do, probably, if they want to stay clear way clear of problems don't endorse come out and say so and so community church endorses such and such a candidate or don't make it about a party i wouldn't advise that but you don't but that you can you can talk about issues you can talk about the party by the way you can talk about the party platforms and you can hand out documents david that compare the party platforms 
There's nothing wrong with that. The Johnson Amendment has been an excuse for way too many pastors. Thank you. I hate to say that, but and I, I please, pastors. We've got I, one I, minute. Go ahead. I, I don't want, I, I'm really meaning no disrespect, but we have to get over the fear of people, David. Yes, I agree. Amen to that. Um, I wrote in our, uh, actually, part of uh, my book, The Cost of Our Silence, I did a, a part on the Johnson Amendment and the agenda to silence Christians, and people need to know where that came from. That, that The fact that also that under the First Amendment, religious leaders have the right to determine what is said from the pulpit, not the IRS, and no church has ever been fined or lost their IRS uh, well, nonprofit status, to my knowledge, the only thing you cannot do, I, st- I say you should go ahead and do it anyway and challenge the IRS, but don't, <laughs> don't listen to me. The only thing you cannot do is endorse a candidate from the pulpit and give them church money. That's the only, right. anything else you can talk about, any issue, you can say anything else under free speech. Jelaine, we've got like 30 seconds less, okay. less your closing thoughts. Did- this isn't, we, if, I'm, I'm all about the gospel. Churches should be all about the gospel. This is part of the gospel now, David. Amen. It's yes. not either or, it's both and. We need to be able to preach the whole gospel, and part of that is being responsible, good stewards of what God has given us. Thank you, Julian Appling, Wisconsin Family Council. We're going to get you booked before the election in November, and we'll have a fun one next month. God bless you. All Thanks right. again for your God time. God bless you, folks. Love you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. When we come back, we'll let you know our guests the rest of the week. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. The one who endures to the end will be saved, friends. Remember that. We quoted that earlier from Matthew 24, verse 13. We know lawlessness is increasing. We know some people's love is growing cold. Jesus predicted that. Uh, But the gospel will be preached to all the nations, and then the end will come from Matthew 24. Um, Tomorrow, we're going to have a blessing, a follow-up interview from last week's with Elijah Abraham and Chris Quintana. We'll talk about more issues tomorrow that are very important, including the Israel peace plan and what that looks like and how that is so different from other peace plans, which uh, even the liberal media called it historic. Um, Also, uh, Thursday, Eric Jackson, an author and a pastor from Michigan. His book is Feral Christian. We'll talk to him. And Voice of the Martyrs will get an update on persecution of Christians with Todd Nettleton on Friday. Thank you again for tuning in, your support, and your prayers. God bless you, and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.